You are now listening to What the Hell, a podcast dedicated to helping you navigate your way to better health. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 89 of What the Health. I'm your host, Lena Lahire, and today we're going to be talking about everyone's favorite topic. What do we eat? What is a perfect diet? But before we answer that question, I want to give you a little bit of food for thought, pun intended. Knowledge is power, but knowledge without context can be dangerous. What do I mean by that? And what does that have to do with what we eat? You know, on one hand, it's amazing that we have access to all of this information, information that we didn't have access to 20, 25 years ago. We were kind of in the dark. And now we can all be our own quote-unquote expert because we have answers with the click of a button away. We can have a question, we can search it online, and we can find all of these different solutions to pretty much any question that we have, and that's wonderful. But when it comes to food, because it's so nuanced and individual, we can find answers to problems we don't really have. And the more knowledge that we gain, it almost becomes counterproductive. And what I mean by that is the knowledge that we gain doesn't have the context. And if it does, then we don't necessarily relate that context to our own situation. We like to make very blanket statements and we say that we don't. We say we're getting better at that, you know, as nutrition practitioners as a whole, but that's not true. And people who claim to do individualized nutrition or individualized medicine, they talk about the importance of seeing someone as an individual. And I'm not saying all practitioners do that. I'm not saying that at all. But they'll still offer these cookie cutter approaches, even though they say they don't. And they claim everyone's individual and we can't all follow the same thing. And yet, when you really look into some of the programs that they create, they are really all kind of saying the same thing. And what's interesting about nutrition is that we're all kind of an expert, We are all experts because every single person on this planet needs to eat. If you don't eat for long enough, eventually your body will cease to function. And so you do have to be an expert on what you're putting in your body. You may not be the most wonderful expert, but you and everyone else are a type of expert when it comes to nutrition. However, you have a particular context, which is your body and your life and your circumstances, and they're always changing. 
but we like to put our context onto everyone else. And so we'll get people who have had great success with following particular diet plans like keto or paleo or veganism or, you know, everything in between. And it's worked very well for them. And they take that context of their life and they say, well, if this works well for me, then this has to work well for other people, which it could, and it, and it does from time to time, for periods of time. However, the context of that individual is for that individual. And the context changes depending on who you're comparing that individual to, and also within that individual, depending on where they are in their life and what's going on. So an example, a perfect example of this would be how our needs change from infancy into childhood. No longer are we needing our mother's milk. We transition to solid food. And breastfeeding when we're seven years old no longer makes sense. And so you could take the the saying and the notion Breast milk is the healthiest food in the world. It is. It absolutely can be for an infant. But once you get into adulthood, if all you're consuming is breast milk, you're not going to get the nutrients that you require. Another example is for women, the differences between how we eat when we are having a regular cycle and how we eat in perimenopause to menopause. Our needs change, our hormone levels are different, and what we, what we require is different. Even the way that we exercise is different. You can also look at age as a factor and how our needs change as we age, and we looked at infancy into comparing it to childhood or adulthood. But what about early adulthood to when we are older adults, like 65, 75, 85 plus? Those needs are going to change. And so the context changes. And if we take the knowledge that we had for a particular context, i.e., or 20s, and we put that into the context of when we're 80, chances are things aren't going to match up as well as they should. And with nutrition, we do this. I mean, I've done it. I've done it lots. And people do it all the time. And we're saying, well, what do I eat? What do I eat to be healthy? And the answer is always, it depends Every good psychologist (laughs) says it depends. Every good practitioner should say it depends. It depends on your circumstances. It depends on your lifestyle, your activity levels, your gender. I know that's not popular, but males and females can have different criteria because depending on the muscle to fat ratio, Women are required to carry more fat than men. So that's going to change what our diet looks like a bit. Uh, We also go into menopause. We 
can get pregnant, which men can't. And so our needs change depending on our gender and where we are, where we fall within that life cycle and what we choose to do. And I just find it so exhausting looking and listening to different perspectives. And sometimes it gives me energy because I'm like, oh, that's really interesting and maybe I should try that. And, you know, we should all be our own scientists. I think that's one thing that you should really take away from this conversation is you get to be your own scientist and you get to create your own perfect diet. And while there are, you know, some common things that are probably good for most people to follow, you can listen to my language saying probably and most, uh, we cannot generalize one way of eating to every single person on the planet. Because depending on where we grew up, our genetics, like I said, our age, our gender, if we're a woman, if we're pregnant, all of these things factor into what we should eat and how we should eat. So when we're looking at the quote-unquote perfect diet, it also takes that into account. It takes all of those contextual factors into account and creates the perfect way to eat for you in this life season. That is very messy because you might be thinking, okay, so how do I eat my life season? It depends. (laughs) It depends on a whole bunch of factors. What's your age? What's your activity level? What are your goals? How much sleep are you getting? You know, what what is your tolerance? Let's look at carbohydrates because this is, oh, it's just exhausting listening to to the fight between to go low carb or high carb. It's, I mean, I'm exhausted and this is a space that I've worked in for years. I can't imagine how exhausting it is for most people. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's not going to get better because people are going to continue to have opinions and continue to be quote unquote experts. And they are the expert of their body. But remember what I said about context. Knowledge without context is dangerous. So if you have someone who's very knowledgeable about what has worked for them and tries to put that context onto your context, you can wind up not being in a very good place. So let's take carbohydrates. How much carbohydrates should you have? It depends. Uh, Age is a big factor where we are in our life cycle. As we age, we tend to need less carbohydrates, but not necessarily. Some people do really well on a higher carbohydrate diet, and some people do worse. So some people have a much higher tolerance towards carbs. And when I say carbs, I'm, I'm meaning healthy carbs, not like cakes and cookies and, you know, all the sweets and, um, you know, the refined carbohydrates. I'm not talking about that. Like I'm actually just talking about like healthy whole food carbs, sweet potato, potato, starchy carbs, quinoa, whole grains, uh, brown rice, right? Like all of these things that aren't bad. These foods aren't bad. 
I know that some people demonize these foods, especially those that have found great success with a ketogenic diet, and that's great. But some people don't do well on a ketogenic diet. Some people do really poorly on a ketogenic diet. And depending on your activity level, that's also going to change. So if you're really active, you might do better eating a higher carbohydrate diet. However, there's lots of people who are very active who do very well on a ketogenic diet. So it it really depends. And this is where you get to be your own scientist. And how do you know something is working? You're able to maintain a healthy weight and not an unrealistic weight, not the weight that you weighed when you were 16 years old, because that's not realistic. So you're able to maintain a healthy weight. All of your blood work comes back normal. There's nothing to write home about in terms of like your actual blood markers. If you're a woman, you're having a regular menstrual cycle. Men and women, you're pooping properly, you're sleeping properly, uh, you have uh, adequate libido. I mean, that's going to change too, depending on where you are in your cycle for women. Uh, it also depends on how much stress you're under, because when you're under a lot of stress, probably the last thing your body really needs is to procreate, even if you can't procreate or don't want to. So kind of that like happy, hungry, horny, <laughs> all of those things. And remember, like being happy all the time is not realistic. But if you're depressed more often than not, or anxious, or not feeling well, lethargic, uh, you feel like you can't sleep properly, like these are all signs that something is off. And it's really easy to latch on to what we're eating. And it might be. It might be something that you're eating, but chances are when we don't feel good for a long period of time, and I'm talking more about like when we get into chronic conditions, generally it's not the food. And if it is, then when you change what you eat, all of those things will go away. And if they don't, then you have to ask yourself, was it really just the food? And it's usually not. There's many factors. You know, when we go through a chronic condition, say something like autoimmunity or type 2 diabetes or Alzheimer's, all of these different diagnoses, these don't happen overnight. These are years and decades in the making. I mean, you look at the brains of people with Alzheimer's and we see changes starting in your 30s and 40s. This is not an old person's disease. It shows up in old age, but it starts much, much earlier. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's not just because we didn't eat a certain food or we ate too much of another. I mean, we can... Um, have a whole nuanced discussion about sugar and processed foods and Alzheimer's. But that's a different conversation. And again, it's nuanced. It's, it's not clear cut. But these things, they don't happen overnight. And it's years of accumulation and poor lifestyle practices. Two of the most being improper sleep 
or inadequate sleep and poor stress management. So having a very low tolerance for stress. And these two factors are massively underestimated because we think, okay, I'm just going to change the way I eat. I'm going to exercise. And those two things are wonderful. And we'll get into like some, you know, basic guidelines for a healthy diet. But again, this is really going to depend and some basic guidelines for exercise. But if it was just as easy to just eat healthier and exercise, we would not have the issues that we see today. Because people exercise, generally when you see someone who's overweight, there is a tendency to think of that individual as lazy. And that's rarely the case. I mean, there are lots of people who struggle with their weight that aren't eating the right foods and they're exercising, but there's other lifestyle factors at play. There could be hormonal issues due to either changing hormones from age or stress or inadequate sleep. All of these things factor in to what makes us healthy. But we like to reduce things down because when we reduce something down to it's this food that I'm eating. And if I just change my diet and follow this way of eating or incorporate these foods, then this will get better over time. And it might, but it might not. The problem is when we reduce things down to something simple and we take this really complex notion like health, like health, what is health? I mean, there's different definitions to health. But we take this really complex topic like health and we reduce it down to, I just have to eat this way and exercise this way and then I'm going to be okay. Well, what does okay even mean and for how long? Does that mean the total absence of disease ever? Does it mean an 80% reduction in symptoms? Does it mean never getting, like what is, what is I'm going to be okay mean? And it's important that we have these very nuanced conversations. And I often struggle because, you know, the media, we like to dumb things down. And by by dumb things down, the scientific word is we like to reduce reductionism. So we'll be extra sciencey. We like to dumb things down in order for us to understand things and yet people are not given the credit that they actually deserve and even though we have a tendency to reduce things down because it makes it easy for us then it frees up brain space it's a common heuristic that we use we just if we can infer something and it's you know potentially accurate for the most part, then we're going to do that. We're going to free up brain space for more complex things that we're going to encounter. But I think people aren't given the credit that they deserve. And we actually want to know more. And we desire to have greater knowledge. And yet we have a whole industry trying to reduce things down and not give us full explanations for things. And this is one thing that I really do appreciate 
about different podcasts and like the podcasts that go really into the science behind things. And some people might shy away from that, but I would encourage you not to because everyone deserves to have the knowledge. However, knowledge without context is dangerous. And so on one hand, it's great to have the knowledge and we should seek more knowledge, but in the context of our own life. And this is where I'm going to say it because I know it's a buzzword still, but I still, you know, truly believe in it is having this intuitive sense of what we should do because while we can't measure intuition and it's not objective, it's subjective, so it's flawed to all these biases. It doesn't mean that it doesn't have a place. And sure, intuitive eating is is a huge buzz topic and a huge buzz word. And what does that even mean? And intuitive eating might not be great for everyone depending on where they are in their health journey. And sometimes putting out a set of rules is what someone needs in order to become more intuitive. So if someone is so metabolically dysfunctional that they have developed type 2 diabetes, then that intuition can be kind of skewed. And they need some really hard and fast rules in order to reverse that. Because you can reverse type 2 diabetes. It takes work and it takes effort, but you can And so there's a place, there's a place for food rules and there's a place for intuition. Again, it depends. But in taking this all together, this is what I really want you to have in the back of your mind if you're really active on social media or you love to consume health content through podcasts, through websites, through books, all manner of things. Try to have an objective lens when you're looking at something because it's very easy for us to internalize what we're taking in. And someone can be, you know, die hard. I'm just going to take, you know, one controversial topic out of, you know, thousands of, contro- I mean, anything can be controversial these days. You could say, like, uh, I mean, anything, like, <laughs> sweet potatoes like sweet potatoes it can be controversial like whatever um gluten i mean they're oh it's just hard fast rules around gluten and it's everything from it doesn't matter to no one in the world should ever eat gluten again in their life and it's i mean it's such a nuanced topic it's you know, just asinine to make such a blanket statements. I mean, people look through the lens of of where we are right now situated in the world. And I mean, there's this is North America and Europe and the UK are not the only places in the world. You know, some people say never eat grains again. I mean, like, come on, really? Like you t- you go and tell people in Asia and Africa and India to never eat grains again. I mean, come on. Like, I mean, you just couldn't get more idiotic than to say something so generalized. It's completely 
inappropriate. But you have people saying this, and we need to have an, an objective lens when we're taking in all of this content because health and well-being is not black and white. It's extremely nuanced, and we do have to have this balance between the information that we gain whilst also understanding the context that we're in at any given moment and how it can change. But there are some, I'm going to call them food rules. They're not rules. They're not rules. I hate that actually. Uh, Scratch that. They're not rules. They're healthy practices to live by that would benefit basically everyone. And number one is drink water. I mean, I don't know if it's controversial. I'm sure someone out there says don't drink too much water or, I mean, you you can have too much of a good thing. You can drink too much water, but generally people don't drink enough water. So, I mean, drink a little bit more water. I don't know how much water. It depends, right? It depends on your activity level. Uh, It depends how much fruit and vegetables you eat because those contain water. It depends how much tea or coffee you drink. Like, I don't know. It depends. Like, drink water. Like, have a liter of uh, a liter bottle beside you and probably try and drink two or three of those a day. I mean, that could be a great place to start. You can definitely overconsume water. Uh, your pee should not be clear. There should be a tint of yellow to it. So if it's completely clear, you've probably overhydrated. So that's that's one kind of like health practice. Number two seems very like duh, but I don't actually think people really understand. Don't eat so many ultra processed foods. And notice how I didn't say processed foods. Because there's lots of foods that we can eat that are processed. That can still be a part of a healthy diet. So for example, sourdough bread, sprouted bread, sprouted grain bread. Those two things are processed. They can be a part of a healthy diet. Uh, Any kind of whole grain, technically those have been processed. They can still be a a part of a healthy diet. I'm applesauce. That's been processed. So when I'm When we look at processing, what we really want to look out for is the ultra processing. And that's like all of your convenience foods and your like your chips and your cookies. However, there can be some chips that are healthy. But generally, as a rule of thumb, cutting out the ultra processed foods, like anything that's frozen or prepackaged that has, you know, a ton of ingredients in it generally not the best thing that you can eat. Other than that, it's kind of wide open. Whether you should eat grains or not, it depends. You know, whether you should consume dairy or not. Technically, dairy is processed. It depends. So I think probably the better metric is to look at ingredient lists and not the calories, not the fats, not any of those. And those do matter. 
because you want to make sure that you're consuming enough protein and enough fiber, and we'll get to that. But making sure that the actual words on the ingredient list are things that you can understand. And something can have like 12 ingredients, but it might be like a jar of pasta sauce that has like tomatoes and, you know, six different kinds of herbs and salt and pepper and olive oil. And I mean, that's processed, but I think that's fine, right? It can be very healthy. There's no problem with that. Uh, You don't have to like pre-make absolutely everything. I mean, would it be more beneficial to? Yeah, but realistic? Not necessarily. So choose foods in which you can understand what ingredients are actually within that food. And if you eat foods that are minimally processed or not processed at all, like just whole fruits and vegetables and lean protein, starches like potatoes or sweet potatoes those are fine however if you struggle with blood sugar issues they might not be fine so it really depends on the context but generally just eating a whole foods diet and by whole foods i mean getting rid of the ultra processed foods is going to be the most beneficial Another good rule of thumb is to make sure that you get enough protein. And our protein needs change as we age. They actually go up. Lots of people think that when you're an older adult, you don't need as much protein, but you do. You need more protein because you have a more difficult time synthesizing that protein. Also, as we age, we lose muscle mass. And one of the ways that we maintain that muscle mass is not just by exercising and strength training, but by making sure that we get adequate amounts of protein. And if we lose muscle and we don't maintain it, then our metabolic function also decreases. And one of the ways that we can continue to consume carbs and not have it negatively affect our blood sugar is to maintain our muscle because more muscle means we are more insulin sensitive. We want to be insulin sensitive. So you have more leeway with higher carb foods. So that's one of the ways that extra protein helps our metabolic function. It also keeps us satiated. So we end up not overeating because when we're spiking our blood sugar, even if we're eating something healthy, like a sweet potato or whatever, if all you're eating is a sweet potato, it's going to have an impact on your blood sugar. But if you eat that sweet potato with some protein, it's going to have less of an impact on your blood sugar. So making sure we get adequate protein. And the other thing is fiber. Oh, I'm going to go back. How much protein? (laughs) Can you guess what I'm going to say? It depends. It depends on your activity level. It depends on your age. If you're looking to gain muscle, maintain muscle, I would say a gram per pound of lean body weight. Generally, if you're an adult, getting around 100 grams of protein at a minimum is generally recommended. But again, it depends. And then we go into fiber, making sure that we have adequate amount of fiber, an adequate amount of fiber. And that can look very different for 
different people depending on your circumstance. Some people do better with more fiber. Some people don't do as well with more fiber. But generally, getting that recommended, you know, a minimum of 25 grams all the way up to, I mean, some people consume 100 grams of fiber a day. I don't know, like that would not work for me. But some people it does. You know, fiber is the thing that feeds our gut bacteria and they produce short chain fatty acids and those have a dramatic impact on our health. And so when we rob our beneficial bacteria of that fiber, we don't produce those short chain fatty acids. And I won't get into, you know, the nuance of that, but a general rule of thumb is to make sure that you're getting an adequate amount of protein every or fiber, sorry, every single day. And how can you tell? Well, if you're eating something that comes in a package, look at the label and look at how much fiber it contains. If you're consuming whole fruits and vegetables and starches like sweet potatoes or potatoes, root vegetables, those are jam-packed with fiber. I think that if you're consuming enough of those things and like nuts, seeds, whole grains, beans and legumes, if you're consuming lots of those things, I don't think it's necessary to track your fiber content. But if you don't eat a lot of those things, it might be worth just tracking your fiber content over a week or so and making sure that you're getting at minimum 25 grams a day. So those are kind of like the big rules. They're not rules. Why do I keep saying rules? See, like I'm I'm like conditioned to say rules, but they're not rules. They're just healthy practices. Uh, but it's it's also about how we eat. It's not just what we eat, it's how we eat, how fast we eat. Um, if we're eating lots of raw vegetables when our guts don't feel good with it, and maybe having more cooked vegetables. Um, how much we're eating in one sitting, the span of time we go without eating. And are we constantly putting food in our system when our body actually needs a bit of a break? Or are we taking too long of a break when our body is actually saying, I need a little bit more? So that will also be dependent <laughs> on you and your lifestyle. So what is the answer to what is the perfect diet? When someone asks you this or talks about it, what I always want you to think of and say to yourself is it depends. And take an objective view. Try not to internalize what people are saying. And remember, knowledge without context is dangerous. No one knows your situation most people don't, especially like you're, if you're listening to someone online, they don't know what you're going through. They don't know what stage of life you're in. They don't know your activity levels. They don't know your goals. They don't know your tolerance for certain foods. They don't know your stress levels. They don't know how much sleep you're getting. Only you know that. And this is where you actually have to use some intuition mixed with some knowledge. All right, that is it for today. I hope that gave you a little bit of food for thought. And I hope it encouraged you to be your own detective and your own scientist in this quest for finding the 
perfect or the right diet for you, depending on where you are in your life. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I hope you gained better insight into how you can be the healthiest version of yourself that you can be. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and please leave me a review as your reviews get this message of better health out there. You can also follow me on Instagram at Lena Jade's Healthy Life, where I post fitness, nutrition, and psychology content. All right, you guys, that is it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode. And as you go throughout your day, always remember, you are powerful over your health.